is a Sunday morning worship service here at the Pine Level Pentecost Union's Church. Guest speaker today is missionary Melody Ross. We'll start off with the Pine Level Pentecost Union's Church praise team.
got me on good. You know, we thank God for all of our young people that are joining the choir, but I wanted you to know officially this morning, this young man's been sitting out during choir practice very patiently out there for a very long time, for many months, and he now wants to be in the choir. Isn't that wonderful? Our youngest choir member. What is your name? Landon. Landon. <laughs> All right. Very good. Come on down. Yes, isn't that wonderful? Thank God. I've already kind of introduced her a little bit, so I don't have to say a, whole more, a lot more, but thank God for Melanie. You know, I think about, we do, we're a very missions-minded church, and I think about often the task of being out in a country where you, you weren't born and raised and where you're out trying to do God's work. You pull up your roots here and go home. It not only takes a lot of courage and strength, but I believe it takes God to do that. And uh, I'm going to let uh, her come up and speak to us now. And thank you very much for what you do. Melanie Ross. Good morning, church. Uh, I am excited to be with you this morning on Pentecost Sunday. Um, and I just want to go through and give you a little background knowledge about myself. Uh, so the first slide I have is of Africa. I will be traveling to where that little heart is, to Kenya, Africa, and that's where I will call home. Uh, hopefully soon of next June, I will move there. And if you don't mind, Mr. going to go into the next slide. I do want to say thank you to Pastor Farrell and you all for letting me come here and just share my heart and vision that the Lord has placed on my heart. Um, I do want to dive into this, word, this morning's message, but before I do so, I want to give you some background knowledge to better understand who I am and the calling on my life, the life of a missionary. From a very young age, I've had the opportunity to be included in activities with people with disabilities. And in high school, I participated in Special Olympics uh, and I was a helper, so to speak, in a severe and profound classroom for students with disabilities, and then went on to college to graduate with my bachelor's and my master's in special education. But for the past 13 years, I've had the privilege to spend each day with students with disabilities while we work on academic skills, functional skills, social communication, but more importantly, they have worked on my heart and become a part of my family. Um, this little girl in the top corner, we're both matching pink. She's one of my students. She is, I am now her godmother. Um, I have many stories about this, but this is the calling on my life. You'll see a majority of those people on that screen have some form of disability, and that is the calling on my life, to be a beacon of of hope for those who have disabilities. In 2017, I traveled to Kenya with Rose Boyd to Pistis Orphanage and another orphanage, and on that trip, I felt at home. I'm not sure if you've ever had that feeling when you walk into some place and you know that you are just at home. That could be you. You walked into those church doors, and you knew that this was a place you'd call home. Well, after two weeks of spending in Kenya, we were boarding the plane to come back to the United States. Everyone was excited because in Kenya, there is little to bit um, air conditioning. So everyone was excited to go back home, but I was crying because I didn't want to go home. I was going to call Kenya home. I just didn't know when or how that would happen. But I do want to tell you, I traveled to the mountains of Kenya to Karen, the place is called, and there I visited an orphanage for students with disabilities and also who had been sexually mutilated. 
I was able to use American Sign Language with the children who were deaf, and we were able to laugh and make bead bracelets. That's how that orphanage functioned and got their money, is that the children made bracelets and necklaces. I wear one of these white bracelets, bracelets each day to remind me to pray for those children. Um, but that was just a way that they were able to have a purpose um, in, the, in the country that they were living in. While I was there, um, if you don't mind going to the next slide, I met a young girl who had been raised by monkeys. And, and honest to goodness, she was thrown out into the wild. Her parents thought that since she had a disability that she was demon-possessed. That's kind of the stigmatism they have in Africa. And they literally threw her out. And when someone found her, they think she was about eight years old. And the only way they knew that is by looking at her dental records. But this young girl, she had calluses on her hands, calluses on her knees. She only wanted to eat bananas. We were there and we brought rocks in to paint and she kept throwing the rocks outside. She was like, Pastor Farrell, she said, I'm sure she was thinking, she didn't speak, but she was thinking, those rocks belong outside. That's what I'm used to for eight years. But I was like, no, I'm a school teacher and we're going to paint them because this is what we have for materials. I do want to describe the classroom for you. So I have some young people here. You know you have a tile floor, you have air conditioning, you have matching desk and matching chairs. But in that classroom, it was a uh, just sand on the floor, what we call probably old tent revivals, if you, some of you have been to those. Matching, there was no matching chairs, no matching desk. There was 15 children in that classroom with one teacher. She had just recently given birth, so she would leave and go feed her child. So if me and another uh, person on the missions trip was not there, 15 students would be left by themselves. Now, I'm not sure how brave you are, but would you leave 15 of your young people in a room by themselves? I'm sure you'd say no. And so here we had a classroom of 15 children with disabilities, and we were able to pour into them. To give you some background knowledge, in my classroom, I have nine students, and I'm supposed to have three adults. This was 15 students with one adult, um, so I wanted to pray for her a whole lot. Um, the materials in their classrooms, they didn't have a lot. We used rocks and toothbrushes to paint, but to them it was a, a time of pouring into them, showing them love. So the ratio, I told you, was eight students to three adults in my classroom. But when I was in that classroom, it burdened my heart because I knew that they had a purpose, that God had created them for something, and they have so much potential, but there's a lack of education there, especially when understanding how to interact with those with disabilities. Now, for me, I want to let you know that growing up was not the easiest thing for me, but I do come from a broken home, but I stand here today to let you know that it did not break me. I grew up with parents who didn't show their love for me, but God provided spiritual parents and siblings who loved me unconditionally and have poured into me. So I encourage you to do discipleship with your young people. Um, if I, there was no discipleship and there was no God, I would not be standing here today. Uh, I've moved around the country quite a bit. I've been kicked out of my house. I've been taken back in. I've been kicked out again, not because I did anything wrong. It was just that they didn't really want me. Um, and I don't know why they wouldn't want me, but I'm just kidding. Uh, but the Lord provided people to pour into me. I grew up in many states, but the thing that remained constant was the love of Jesus. I am someone who has been abused. I've been physically and emotionally abused. I have suffered verbal injury. I have felt the pain of rejection from my parents. I've battled depression and other medical conditions. But I stand here today because God had a plan of my, for my life, and I truly believe it is a story of perseverance. So I hope this morning you are encouraged by that. Since becoming a believer in Christ, I continue to find out who he, God, has made me to be, and I can tell you that moving to Kenya is what I can do to live for him. 
Until I moved to Kenya, I'm excited. I'm living through living for the Lord through speaking his truth and sharing his love. And what an honor it is to speak this morning behind this pulpit. I thank you for allowing me to do that. This morning, if you want to go to the next slide, I do want to ask you, what is Pentecost since we are celebrating Pentecost Sunday? How would you define Pentecost? Is it a word that causes you excitement as being a Pentecostal church? Is it a word that causes you confusion? Or is it a word that when you hear it, you shrug your shoulders in hopes that someone else would define it so that you don't have to? I mean, it's a big word. Well, I'm here to tell you that the definition of Pentecost is literally the number 50. Pentecost happened 50 days after Jesus' resurrection, the Passover, where God caused a visible outpouring of the Holy Spirit. This morning, we are going to be in Acts chapter 2. If you don't mind standing so we can give reverence to the Word of God, we're going to be in Acts chapter 2. And this morning, I am reading excuse me, from the English Standard Version of the Bible. So I'm going to start in verse 1 and and go to 13. Bear with me. I will not read super fast, but I will not read super slow since you all are standing. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. We sang a song this morning about being in one accord. Amen. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. Again, I'm so thankful for the Lord and how he works. We sang about the rushing wind this morning. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered or rather if you would say confused because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished. I want to stop right there. Did you catch those words? They were amazed and confused. The people were first confused about what was happening, but then they were amazed at what they were witnessing. Sometimes you have to press through your confusion to get to the amazement. Or just because somebody is confused doesn't mean that they won't be amazed if you stick with it. And and they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each one of us in his own native language? Parthians and Moody's and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Priga and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome both Jews and proselytes and Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying one to another, what does this mean? But others were mocking, saying they are filled with new wine. You all may be seated this morning, but as you sit, look to your neighbor and say, the rushing God. You are excellent. If you were in my classroom, I'd give you all a star. You follow directions very well. Now, I do want us to pray before I continue on, just to make sure that the Holy Spirit has control of this service. Let us pray. Lord, I thank you for who you are, and I thank you for being in this place this morning and how you have ordered the already the beginning of the service. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you will speak through me, that all distractions that are here will be gone that all hearts and minds will be open to hear what you have to say to them today, Lord. And I just thank you for the opportunity to come to a place that is allowing missionaries to come and share their calling. 
But Lord, we're focusing on you today and on your Holy Spirit. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Now, I do want to ask how many of you believe that the Word of God was inspired by the Holy Spirit? Amen. Amen. I do too. And even on that day of Pentecost, there were those who couldn't see it or who even mocked it like we read. If you do continue in Acts chapter 2, and I encourage you to go back and read it for yourselves. I know that I read a majority of it, but I want you to go and read it for yourselves. But in Acts 2.14, it says, But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, and even on my male servants and my female servants. I want to pause right there. God is an equal opportunity anointer. I am standing behind this pulpit as a woman, and some people don't believe in women being called to preach, but I'm telling you, you can't defile what God says. God called me to preach, and I'm going to do it. Amen. So I am thankful again that I am standing behind this pulpit. Thank you so much. But I also want to give you an encouraging word. You might be a woman or a man in this congregation. God has called you to do something. Don't think just because of who you are that he can't use you. All right, I want to encourage you and, and, and speak on that this morning. I'm going to continue reading, and it says, And in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. And I do, I'm sorry I'm saying so much scripture, but I want you to fully understand that this is not me saying it. This is the word of the Lord this morning, that I am just a vessel being used to say it this morning. I'm going to continue down to verse 40. And it says, with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those, so those who received his word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. Now, I can imagine or picture in my mind the scene of Pentecost, if you will, from this passage. There was 120 people sitting in a room, and all of a sudden, a hurricane-like wind that we see around here, we're, I'm not sure how hurricane you guys get, but I'm from Vanceboro, so we get the winds. Um, or a little further inside the state, I believe, right here in this town. But a hurricane wind-like is what I vision, Just coming through that room as they were sitting down. And they were, never, they were never bothered. They didn't fall. I mean, if we were standing outside in a hurricane wind, and I've played when I was about 12 years old. I had just moved to North Carolina, and I went outside and played in the hurricane. Probably not the smartest decision in my life. But I was not able to fully stand up. There was lots of rain in that hurricane wind. But here they were. They were sitting in this room in a hurricane wind. I see a wind that had, should have physically knocked those people down, but they didn't fall. You might envision that differently when you read the scripture. But I want to ask, have you ever looked at Pentecost from the viewpoint of God? In verse 2, the words suddenly and rushing stand out because that's not how we would describe God, would we? We would describe God 
as rather patient. We would say that he is the most patient person of all time. Think about it. You might have heard this before. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. A fruit of the Spirit is patience. The most patient person of all time rushed in at that exact moment on Pentecost. He didn't walk in. He didn't slide in. But literally it says he rushed in suddenly. So why the rush? What would cause God to rush into that room? So this morning I do want to focus on the rushing God. I heard a pastor say one time, one of the reasons why we lack passion in our walk with God is we have not discerned the passion that he has for us. He has a passion for you, and he has a passion for me. But are we listening and discerning that passion that he has for us? We are typically passionate about the people that are most passionate about us. I'm sure if I have some grandparents here, you will tell me that your grandchildren are the best and most wonderful grandchildren in the entire world, that they are the most beautiful children in the entire world. You are, amen, I got an amen. So you know what you're passionate about. I'm sure if I was going to talk about baseball or football, I have some passionate uh, Duke or Blue Devil, uh, Duke or uh, Carolina, you can tell I'm not passionate about it. Duke or, uh, there I got some claps, or Carolina Tar Heels. You are passionate about it. When you talk about it, you're passionate about it. I am passionate about student with disabilities. If you can't tell, I'm excited to work with my children each day and to share the love of Jesus, even in a public education school. I can still share the love of Jesus with my students through my actions. So we have a tendency to lose passion and or relationships when there is no reciprocal passion. Would you agree with that this morning? That sometimes if you don't have a passion about the same thing, if your team continues to lose in the Super Bowl, you most likely will stop having a passion for them or the World Series, but you won't ever stop having a passion for your grandchildren, will you there, Pastor Farrell? (laughs) All right, this may be tough to hear, but church, I hate to say it, but sometimes as believers, we lose our passion for God because we fail to discern the passion of God, the passion that he has for us. John 3, 8 says, The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. When you think of wind, I want to know, what do you picture in your mind? Do you see stillness? I hope not. Of course not. When the wind is moving, you can see something visually, something moving. When I do morning meeting with my students in my classroom, we have this large window outside my classroom, and we talk about the weather every day. Uh, Repetition is done in my classroom for students with severe and profound disabilities. And so we'll talk about the weather. We talk about what is sunny, rainy, windy. Well, outside this window, I have this tall tree that we can see, and I ask them, is the tree moving? If the tree's moving, then obviously it's windy. We can put that on our calendar and on our graph that it is windy. So the wind is something that you can see. Remember that this is 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus. So I want to think, I want you kind of to change your mindset and think, what if the Holy Spirit was saying on that day, it is my time to come in. To be the wind that moves a people who have been created for a specific purpose. See, the Holy Spirit wasn't there when Jesus was there. Jesus died. 50 50 days later, the Holy Spirit came. We have something that the Old Testament didn't have. They had Jesus in the flesh, 
But they didn't have the power of the Holy Spirit upon them and within them. You and I do today because of that moment at Pentecost. So I want to ask, what moves us as believers? What moves our thoughts and our emotions? Dr. Darius Daniel says this, whatever you are full of will lead you. If you are full of negativity, negativity will lead you. If you are full of rage, rage will lead you. But if you are filled with the Spirit, you will be led by the Spirit. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound mind. So I pray this morning that you be led by the Spirit, and you won't be led by anything else in this world. So are you filled with that Spirit this morning? Are you moved by the winds of the Spirit? Could you imagine what our world would be, our church as a, a big church, not pine level, but the church itself? What it would be like if it was moved by the Spirit instead of being moved by everything that's going on around us? I know there's a lot going on. We have the issues in Ukraine. We have COVID. We have school shootings. We have a lot going on. But if we were moved by the Spirit and focused on God more than everything else going around us, what would it be like? Could you imagine what it would be like? In John 16, 13, it says, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. There is a supernatural lifestyle that should characterize the people of the Lord. We aren't made to be of this world. There's another message I preach when I speak solely on missions, on the story of Mephibosheth. Yeah, that's a name right there in itself, Mephibosheth. If you've never read that, that's in 2 Samuel. But in Mephibosheth, it's, Mephibosheth was a misfit of the world. He had a disability. His nurse was carrying him so to protect him so he wouldn't get killed, and she dropped him, and he became uh, lame. He became crippled. He, became, he developed a disability. And so she carried him, and he was a misfit. People looked at him and said, we shouldn't be around him. King David was looking for him and looking for a lineage of Jonathan, and he said uh, to the servant, is there anyone that is of that lineage? And the servant said, oh, but you don't want someone like that in the presence of the king, someone who has a disability. And he said, oh, but I do. And I envisioned King David saying, Mephibosheth, people may see you on the outside as having a disability, but I want to let you know what God sees in you. He doesn't look on the outside. And that's like us. God should, God, we should be having the spirit of the Lord upon us. People shouldn't be so focused on our outward appearance that they miss what God is doing on the inside of us. We are meant to be misfits of the world. I'm thankful I'm a misfit. I don't fit in everywhere I go, and that's okay. As long as I fit into the God, the family of God, that's what matters to me, not fitting in with the world. So I believe that we are called to be misfits and be called different than the world around us. I want you to think about Ezekiel and the dry bones. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. But before anything could happen, God said, before I can raise those bones, before I could add muscles to those bones, before I can give a voice to those bones, I, God, have to call forth the winds, call forth something that will move my people. A movement that is birthed out of a motivation that is not of this world. If you think about wind, when, it, when you see it, the things moving visibly are leaves. They move. You can see it actually happening. Do you want to be moved by the Spirit this morning? 
Do you want to be moved by the Holy Spirit? I do want to give you four points this morning to better understand the rushing God, the mighty rushing wind, and we get these four points from this scripture. John 14, 26, it says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Now, the first thing we learn about, in, in, about the Holy Spirit here is that he will teach you. God is trying to move us to a place where we wake up each day and say, Holy Spirit, teach me. How many, uh, how many of you woke up this morning? You don't have to wake, raise your hand. I'm not going to call you out. But how many of you woke up this morning saying, Good morning, Lord. I'm here. I'm ready to work. Because if you say that, you know what the devil says? Oh, man, they got up again. That's an opportunity time to wake up. Is that the first thing you think about when you wake up? Good morning, Lord. Good morning, Holy Spirit. Teach me today. How does God teach us? Well, first, you and I need to create a space where we can learn, a place with no distractions, where he becomes our main priority, a space where you can talk to the Lord and you can study his word. Second, you have to do the required reading. I'm not sure uh, who enjoyed going to school and reading. I was a book nerd and I loved to read. But I didn't like to read the books that the teachers told us we had to read, especially in social studies. But there was required reading. And if I didn't read the required text and then went to school and they'd ask questions, I would be out of luck of how to answer it. There is required reading. So we have the Word of God. Reading the Word of God will teach you. But church, if we never open up our Bible, how will you learn? You won't. You can't learn from somebody else. And the teaching of God takes place when the Word of God reads me in my life. This is where application takes place. You can read the word, but you also have to put to practice what you read. You are learning through doing. So I must read the word and then be sensitive to the word reading me. I want to repeat that. I must read the word of God. I heard Bishop Tommy McGee was at our annual conference a couple weekends ago, and he talked about, are you carrying the witness with you? Are you carrying your Bible everywhere you go? But if you read this, then you have to be sensitive to it reading you. Sometimes it's going to step on your toes. Amen? But that's, that's how we learn, church. That's how we learn to be more like God. If, if, if that's not your goal in life, then I need to pray for you. But we are supposed to be more like the Lord. Each and every day, I, pr- I pray less of me and more of you, Lord. I don't want people to see me first. I want them to see you when they see me. It is one thing to read the Word of God and know it here. But it's another thing to let it sink down in here. God is drawing us back to a season where we can be taught again to be lifelong learners of the word. I am, I am a lifelong learner. I am 35 years young, and I just went to the School of Ministry here in Falcon, North Carolina, and it was not the easiest thing. Uh, that was a lot of reading. Um, the Old Testament uh, is fun to read, but then sometimes it is not fun to read, I'll be honest. And I had a lot of reading to do. We'd have to read before we went to class. We had to complete a study guide. And sometimes those study guides had over 150 questions. Then we would sit and listen to someone teach us the word of God. And then you took a test. Now I'm telling you, I learned a whole lot. I would not be who I am today if I did not attend that school for two and a half years, three years. But I was able to learn. I encourage you to be a lifelong learner. Don't give up on learning anything, but honestly, don't give up on learning the word of God and how it can work in your life. You'll never know when the Lord will use what you've learned in your life. 
So I want to ask, will you let the Holy Spirit teach you today? So we know that the Holy Spirit will teach us. Second, we know that the Holy Spirit is going to teach us remembrance. The scripture says he, meaning the Holy Spirit, will bring to your remembrance all that you have been taught. So you have to learn to be having that remembrance. God, again, is trying to move us to a place where we wake up each morning and not only say, Holy Spirit, teach me, but Holy Spirit, what are you reminding me of today? I want you to think about this phrase, spirit reminders. What I mean is when you have those moments where all of a sudden something hits you out of the blue, when you think to yourself, where in the world did that come from? I haven't thought of that in years. When the Holy Spirit brings something to your remembrance, and that could be a scripture. I think about when I go to the dentist. I hate the dentist, I'll be honest. And I'll sit there in that chair, and all of a sudden the Lord, the Holy Spirit will speak to me and say, through all things, I, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And I sometimes add in some sleeping medication to make it sure that I can get through that dentist appointment quickly. But the Lord, the Holy Spirit, will give you those spirit reminders of scripture that you've read. That's why you have to be in the church. He will give you a time in your life where God demonstrated his faithfulness. The Holy Spirit will give you a spirit reminder, as crazy as this sounds, from a bulletin board um, or a, you know, a billboard. That's what they're called. I was talking to someone last night, and she told me that a friend of hers was driving down the road and saw a bulletin board, and it was like the Holy Spirit told her, you should still do what you're doing. As crazy as that sounds, but are, are our eyes open to see and to hear those spirit reminders? The spirit reminder could be a time in your life when he demonstrated mercy to you because mercy and grace follows us, amen? It's a specific encounter, like such as an altar service. I remember the moment when I was at Power Chicks with Girls Ministries. I'm not sure if you guys do Girls Ministries and Royal Rangers, but Girls Ministries had a Power Chicks, which happens every four years up in the mountains. And I went and I had been praying and praying and praying that the Holy Spirit would just take over and I would have the evidence of speaking in tongues. And I can remember exactly where I was standing. If you, if you will, the altar was over here and I was standing right here. I remember it was uh, who was preaching, a lady named Amy. And I just started praying. And all of a sudden, I heard something. And I was like, man, who is praying in tongues? I can hear it. And would you happen to believe it was me? Because at that moment, I had let go of my own flesh, let go of my own desires. And I said, Lord, you can do whatever you want. That was in 2015. So seven years ago, I only count to 10 in my classroom. So apologies for the math. But that happened. I remember that. And when I'm going through something, it's like the Lord and the Holy Spirit will give me that spirit reminder of, Melanie, I've done it before and I can do it again. Don't you give up on me, Melanie. And I say, yes, Lord, I got it. But I can remember those specific things. I want you to think about your life when you might have had a spirit reminder. When you might have not thought, oh, that's not the Holy Spirit. But it could have been if you have open eyes and open ears to hear it. The list could go on about what are spirit reminders. But I want you to be sensitive to hear that and to see it. I do believe that God is always speaking to us. It is a matter of whether or not we are listening. That's sometimes hard to hear because we have so much going on around us again in the world. But are you so in tune with God that you're hearing his voice? The third thing that the Holy Spirit does is it blows through the revelation of what is to come. So we know that he can teach us if we're willing to be taught. We know that he will give us those spirit reminders, but then there's the revelation of what is to come. So looking back at John 14, 26, it says the scripture, the Holy Spirit will teach you. He will bring back to your remembrance what you have been taught and he will show you things to come. So why did the Holy Spirit rush in? 
He may have been thinking, for once, I'm not going to have to depend on one man of generation, meaning Jesus, to see things to come, but I'm going to raise up a people that are filled with the Holy Ghost that can see some things that are coming. I'm going to show you what is to come. I don't know about you, but that is my prayer. Holy Spirit, come and collide with my spirit and show me things to come in my life and in the kingdom of God. I don't want to be so focused on what I see with my physical eyes, but Holy Spirit, build within me a sense of understanding of just who you are and what you can do through me. Would that be your prayer today? That you are so in tune with the Spirit of God that he gives you a revelation of what is to come? It is scripture. I'm not making it up. It can happen. We just read about it. But you have to be in tune. You have to be in the Word. You have to be willing to get those spirit reminders. The Holy Spirit rushed in to teach us, to bring things to our remembrance, to show us things to come, and lastly, to form us into God's purpose. Have you ever thought about why God doesn't answer some of your prayers in the way that you spoke them? I I can remember uh, I became a believer when I was in college. Uh, Growing up, I was in church. I didn't start going to church. Um, Holly Hill, a tiny little church in a big old town of Vanceboro. And that is, I'm being sarcastic. We have one stoplight. Uh, So (laughs) we are not that huge. But I moved to North Carolina and started going to church. And I had, I had God up here so well. I knew it. I knew that Jesus came. He died and he rose again. But I went to college and I went off on my freshman year to what we called um, summer project. And I suffered for the Lord in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina as a missions. And I worked with people from around the world at a pretzel shop. But one of the nights we were there, it's a, it's a almost six week training session of where they pour the word of God into you. They disciple you. And at one of the, probably the first weeks they were talking about being a believer and how you know everything up here, but if you don't know Jesus here, you're going to hell. And I was shocked. I was a little bit embarrassed. I had been going to this church. People have been pouring into me, and I did not know Jesus here. I knew that if I died that day, I would go to hell. And at that moment, I said, it's not going to happen. I am going to become a believer. And so that's what I did. When I was uh, 18 years old, I became a believer of Christ. I accepted him as my Lord and Savior, and I decided that my life was going to be different, that I was going to live for him, regardless of my past Regardless of not being loved as a child, I'm now being someone who's going to go love other children in Africa, even though I didn't receive that when I was a kid. But the Lord provided, again, spiritual parents for me. I want you to think about this, and I'm sure that when I say this, you will think, yeah, right, Melanie. Have you ever thought about that what you were praying about to change, God wanted to keep in place? Or have you ever prayed for something to stay in place that God wanted to change? That's hard to hear and hard to understand because the Lord tells us to come boldly to his throne and to to ask. Uh, Knock and uh, he will answer, ask, seek. But sometimes what we ask for, the Lord does not have a plan for us. It would actually destroy the plan he has for us. And that's where our self-will comes in. But I want to follow the Lord's will, what he has on my life. And that's why I'm moving to Africa. And I love air conditioning. And I'm moving to Africa. (laughs) There's not a lot of air conditioning. I'm very fair-skinned. I don't know how it will all work out, but I trust in the Lord. I've learned to pray differently. I've learned to pray, Lord, what your will is, I pray that I will do it. This helped me to have the understanding of it. 
God wants to use you. He has a purpose for your life. He didn't create us so that we could get what we wanted from him, but rather so that he could draw everything out of you and me that he wants. That's a lot right there in one sentence, but I want to repeat it. God didn't create us so that we could get what we wanted from him, but rather he created us so that he could draw everything out of you and me that he wants to be used. The Holy Spirit, he rushed in to teach us. Read your word, I encourage you. Carry it around with you. What a great opportunity to witness, to say, hey, what are you holding? And it doesn't have to be this Bible. It could be any version you want. It could be as big or as small. This is probably not the one. I, I have one in my car almost every time I travel. And it's not this big one. But this is the one that I have come to love and carry around. You might have a Bible that you've got all these markings on. But I encourage you to carry it around. Don't be ashamed of this. You'd be surprised of what the Lord will open up in a window for you. I was in Walmart one time not carrying the Bible. But a man came up and asked me for some money. And I was very, very confused. And he started talking about that he needed money so that he could drive to Havelock, North Carolina. I was in New Bern, and he wanted gas money. So I said, before I can give it to you, this is one of those spirit reminders where the Lord says, you should pray for him, right there in the middle of Walmart. And I was like, are you sure, Lord? This quick conversation, because obviously it needed to happen quick. But I said, are you sure you want me to pray for him? But before I gave him the money, I said, can I pray for you? And he was so thankful. So not only would this provide you an opportunity to pray for someone, it will provide you an opportunity to sow into them so that they won't go to hell. Hell is real. The curse of hell is as real as the blessing of heaven. And yesterday I was at a service where we talked about being rapture ready. Are you rapture ready? Are you know, are you sure, are you sure, are you sure that you're going to heaven? I want you to pour into the word. I want you to start a daily habit of reading the word of God so that when you have those spirit reminders, the Holy Spirit can come off with some scripture just like that. And you'd be like, oh my word, I did read that. I have it right here. Not just here, but I have it here. How can I apply the word of God? The Holy Spirit gives us revelation of what is to come. Now, I don't think we're going to all, I, I don't see it. And maybe you do. And if you have this insight with God, please share it with me. But I don't have all the, the ins and outs of me being in Africa. I have a few things. I know I'll be working with people with disabilities. There is an opportunity in Falcon, North Carolina. We have a summer camp called Sidekicks, and it's a camp just for those with disabilities, adults and children. And that has been placed on my heart, and I want to do that in Kenya. And would you know that when I went to my missions interview, Ron Wooten, who I'll be under for my, well, I'll be working with Ron and Sharon Wooten, but my first year will be an internship. He was sitting there hearing what I said, and he said, I can't believe this. But we actually have a program that was just started that you have been called to do. But the people who are in charge of it have moved to Dubai. So there that foundation has already been laid. The Lord knew what he was doing. That, that's something to come, a revelation to come. He has it there for me. It's just a matter of when I can get there. This is a new season for me. It's itinerant missionary, so I have to go around. And do you know how fun it is to ask for money? It's not fun. <laughs> but the money's not going to me. The money is going to the mission and the call that the Lord has on my life so that I can help people be rapture ready. So that I can remind people that they have a purpose, that God has created them for a purpose. And you have the opportunity to be that, to help be a part of that mission 
in that ministry. I'm so thankful that the Lord calls people to go, to be sent, but I'm also thankful and blessed that people are called to be senders. And that could be you this morning. You could be called to be a sender. And I pray that if you are, that you will just pray that you will hear a spirit reminder or a revelation to come of what could happen in Kenya, Africa through me and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit rushed in to teach us, to reveal to us reminders, to give us a revelation of what is to come and to remind us that God has a purpose for our lives. You cannot be full of the Holy Spirit if you are filled with yourself. When I wrote that down, I said, oh, that is hurting my toes. But you can't be full of the Holy Spirit if you're full of yourself. I don't know about you, but I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit to where I am overflowing, where I am allowing the wind of the Holy Spirit to flow through me that it can go to other people. You and I cannot live a full life without the Holy Spirit. Catherine Kuhlman uh, is an older evangelist, and she said it like this. The Holy Spirit is with every believer, but there comes a time in the life of a believer when he, the Holy Spirit, is not only with the believer, but literally fills the believer with power. You have access to that power today and every day. Kevin Sneed, a missionary who's also in Kenya, an elder at Kenya, said this. I'm afraid we spend too much time trying to stir up the Holy Spirit rather than submitting to the Holy Spirit stirring. Today, will you submit to the stirring of the Holy Spirit? I want us to pray today on this Pentecost Sunday that we allow ourselves to be moved by that mighty rushing wind of God. It happened there in that room, 120 people. I don't know how many people are here this morning, but it doesn't have to be 120 for the mighty rushing wind to rush in, for God to rush in suddenly and to just take over. Will you stand with me today as we pray? Lord, you are calling us to explore the depths of who you are. You are calling us into the deep. Lord, I pray this morning that we do not lose our passion for you, but rather our passion be reignited, reawakened. Breath of God, come breathe again. Lord, I pray that we will be reminded each time we feel the wind that you sent the Holy Spirit suddenly on that day of Pentecost so that we could be taught. Holy Spirit, we are here this morning with open hands, hearts, and minds ready for your teaching. I pray that at this very moment that everyone here becomes so hungry for the word of God that they read it not just to read it, but to live it out and apply it to their lives. Today, Lord, let spirit reminders occur in each one's life. Holy Spirit, bring to their remembrance things that they know and allow them to share with others those reminders. Oh, mighty rushing wind, Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place to come and show us things to come. Let us have eyes of you. Show us things that we can't see with our physical eyes. And Lord, I pray right now, everyone under the sound of my voice is encouraged and reminded that they have a specific purpose in you, that you have a specific calling. Lord, it doesn't matter how young or how old or how wise, you are still in the working business to use them, Lord. So if right now, if they are not sure what their calling is or you have them moving in a different season, Lord, I pray that you give them encouragement, spirit reminders that they are still to be used by you, that their time is not up, that they have a work to be done to share your love and your word. 
Today, I pray that each person will walk boldly in their calling and continue to make an impact for the kingdom of God right here in this church and in this community, Lord. I pray a blessing over Pine Level, that you will be with them, that they will be a beacon of hope, that for their vacation Bible school, Lord, that you will bring more children than they thought would ever come. Because, Lord, if you bring the children in, their parents would follow. Lord, I pray for their vacation Bible school, for the teachers and the children that are to come. Let this be a beacon of hope right here in Pine Level. When people walk in the doors, Lord, I pray that they feel at home, that they feel love. Lord, I pray for discipleship right now in this church. For the young people, Lord. Not only for the young people, but I pray that the discipleship will happen between the young and the old and the old and the young. Let them be open to learn from each other and to pray for each other and to pray together with each other, Lord. Lord, I thank you for the Holy Spirit and for sending him so quickly on the day of Pentecost. We love you, Lord. We do. And we just pray that you will just have your way with each of us. Lord, I thank you again for this church being a mission-minded church and for pouring into missionaries. I saw the list outside, Lord, and I'm thankful. I'm a little overwhelmed because you've called these people to be senders. They are sending the scent. And I thank you for that, Lord. I pray a blessing that you will just multiply whatever they give each month for missions, Lord. And I just thank you for who you are and for what you're doing in this church. Holy Spirit, thank you again for rushing in on that day of Pentecost. And let us be reminded each day that you can rush in and through us. And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Thank you so much. I'll pass it back over to Pastor or Mac, thank you for the opportunity. I do have a table outside. I have a newsletter. If you'd like to sign up, I send out each month. And I would love to talk to you about just how the Lord is going to use me in Kenya, Africa. And maybe one day, one year, you all can set up a time where your church, part of your church, comes to Africa to be part of that mission. Thank you so much. May the Lord bless you. You've been watching the Pine Level Pentecostal Women's Church. The Pine Level Pentecostal Women's Church is located on 112 East Blanche Street. We welcome you to come and join us in worship every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m., every Sunday night at 6 p.m., and every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Don't forget, if you can't join us in person, you can always join us via the internet through the website at pinelevelphc.org. You can watch our services, check out upcoming events, and lots more there at the website. You can also check out our app through Google Play or iOS App Store. Download the Pine Level Pentecostal Witness Church app. It's free to use, free to download. You can watch our services live or on demand. Check out other things about the church, even donate to the church through the link. If you have have a Facebook account, go to facebook.com forward slash Pine Level PHC. Get notifications when we go live. Check out pictures and other upcoming events about our church. Just like our Facebook page. That's all you have to do. Also, YouTube is available for the YouTube subscribers. Search YouTube for Pine Level PH Church. Subscribe to our channel. Get notifications when we go live. You watch our services live or on demand. Don't forget, if you can't watch us, maybe you want to listen. Search for our podcast through your favorite podcast provider and listen to the services anywhere in the world. Don't forget about our new radio station. Go to our website or app for the quick link. And you can also just simply type in pinelevelphc.org forward slash radio. Radio stations playing good gospel music 24-7. Also, lots other programming is available for your enjoyment. So if you want to check that out, do so anytime. And listen with friends around the world. 
For everyone here at the Pine Level Pentecostal Witness Church, I'm Joey Perry. We hope to see you soon here at the Pine Level Pentecostal Witness Church.